Welcome everybody to another episode of uh, my podcast and as all my regular listeners will know I'm always delighted to have my guests on and today is no different and today we have the uh, brilliant Johnny Adams from SBR Consulting. Say hello Johnny. Hello Alex. And uh, for those of you watching on YouTube or those of you seeing the um, uh, the title, come on down the prices. It'll probably only land with our UK audience, or maybe I think it's in the US as well. Anyway, I, uh, I digress. Uh, today's going to be a good one. They're always good, but today we're going to dive into kind of the world of uh, pricing, especially you know, where we are in the economic climate. This is being recorded on the 17th of July, 2023. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Johnny, I always kind of start with this, with all my guests, uh, kind of who, what, why, when, where, and let's see where today takes us. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Well, you've asked me. You've asked me a bunch of questions. I'm like, okay, well, see. (laughs) Who are you? Where are you from? What's your story? Give us a bit of on SBR Consulting, and then we can dive into uh, uh, dive into it. Brilliant. Well, um, so my name's Johnny Adams. working in an organization, SBR Consulting, uh, focusing primarily on um, sales strategy, um, effectiveness, and also sales training. Um, Work primarily across different functions, but professional services, financial services, where we're seeing a lot of interest and insight in and around pricing and packaging, um, along with other organizations such as software and and digital and technology, which again are looking at pricing packaging. So um, a little bit of that um, based in and around London. um, So based in Twickenham in London um, and fundamentally focused in and around clients across uh, the UK. And recently just returned back from a wonderful trip to Seattle. Um, I think I've just escaped the warm weather in Seattle. I hear that it's absolutely roasting over there. But I had a wonderful trip last week to see one of our clients um, over in Seattle and, and landed at the weekend and enjoyed a nice weekend. And here we are again. Here the we week starts. Yes. Indeed. I think, yes, there's the heat dome, I think, is, is appearing over the, <laughs> the US, as I saw this morning. And more importantly, a fellow uh, Kamado uh, barbecue as well. But that's for a uh, for another uh, podcast. <laughs> maybe I should do a barbecue podcast. Anyway, I um, I digress. So um, the price is right. Pricing, packaging. We're in some interesting times um, from an economic perspective. You know, people I'm talking to, budgets are getting tighter. Decision processes are taking longer, involving uh, more people. I'm certainly experiencing that, and others that I speak to are experiencing that. So. In the world of pricing, and you always come come a close second <laughs> on price, which I never ever believe. What are you What are you seeing? What are you hearing, Johnny? And then more importantly, how are you helping your clients kind of get through this uh, this conundrum? The right right word? I don't I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting topic. I, I think it's a topic that's always been there, pricing and packaging, and I think it's important to recognise that as you know, the world evolves and it has done since, you know, probably late last year where all of a sudden, you know, technology firms were, you know, on the crest of the wave for the previous maybe five to 10 years where equity value was being, you know, multiplied based upon the number of seats being sold. And it was all about getting bums on seats as such or licenses out the door. Um, But also, you know, the macroeconomic landscape and how, organizations that we're speaking to regularly are having to focus on um, pricing and packaging as one of their core levers um, to one keep pace with 
for instance, inflation, you know, the likes of cost of living. And if you read the news in the UK, you know, what's the reason for inflation not going down? Well, because wages are going up and we yeah. could debate in and around whether that's right or wrong. But, you know, if we think about that, then it's only going to carry on going north in terms of that inflationary pressure, which in turn will be passed down the food chain and businesses will be seeing more prices going up and consumers be taking that hit. That's my opinion and conversations that I've had with business leaders and the reasons why pricing and packaging is so important. But also we work a lot in the investor community, Alex. Um, so we have um, a large presence within and around the private equity space. Um, and if you read any sort of the value creation plan, uh, i.e. the three to five year cycle, we're finding that investors are having to hold on to assets a little bit more or having to consolidate assets where they're doing some M&A. And with that in mind, what they're using is the pricing and packaging lever, whether that's to, again, combat um, the, the inflationary challenges that they're facing or in general um, dealing with hitting that EBITDA number as they look to exit themselves. So. And the reason why it's so topical, it's not because it's new, <laughs> you know, it's because it's one of the strongest levers to pull, I would imagine, within value creation that we're hearing from the investor community, but also within privately owned organizations, they are having to increase prices and improve their packaging to enable um, a, a better inflow of, of revenue to combat with some of those challenges. And how does that then um, kind of translate into the professional service word or financial services institutions that you will be uh, or rather you are working with because you know pricing and packaging for us on the on the street as as a consumer i mean you know i look at the the tesco bill each each week online <laughs> there's nothing in the basket and then you look at the price of you, you think crikey how is it how has it come to that there's nothing um that there's nothing yeah. there and it's you know, it, it, it is, it's crazy what you kind of think and feel and the petrol pumps, et cetera, et cetera. But how does that, how is that kind of translating into the, what, what you see and what you're learning into, I don't know, a, a, a small consulting firm or a law firm or a professional service firm or even a financial services institution where you know, they're having to have that, that price and com that price and conversation as, as well. Well, I think you agree with you wholeheartedly. Yesterday, um, I went to a, a local supermarket and found myself spending £101 on not very much. Um, so it, it, extre extremely frustrating. Um, and I, I also put a barometer against um, tonic, not gin, is my barometer of uh, cost. You know, so if it goes up by a couple of pence, I know I'm really worried, the old tonic. Um, but to answer your question, I think there's a contradiction of terms that goes on with, with, with pricing. So if you're a, you know, a, a consultancy owner, you know, founder led, or you've got one or two individuals, which because we do work with organizations that may be in and around the three to five, six million pound within those professional service organizations or larger, what, what you're finding is that the markets are getting harder. Yeah. So naturally you're looking at your account base and thinking well you know grow the account base because that's going to pro project uh, protect the, the longevity of revenue that's coming in but equally we need to go and find net new business and when we're finding the net new business we're also battling against that concept of well the market's harder so we can't be putting our prices up because we need to win new business yeah. so the contradiction is is that you're going into a business where you might be looking to acquire that client or prospect 
contradicting with yourself and beginning to negotiate with yourself to say, well, I can't put my price up high or higher than what they were a year ago. So yeah. I must be thinking about accepting some type of negotiation, even though inflation is at such a premium. So I think that is one of the where the challenges comes to it, is, is not necessarily the strategic element of what do I do and what don't I do with the pricing. The pricing must go up. Yeah. How do I do that? And when it comes to acquiring new clients, I think there's a lot of contradictory elements. And the mindset is so crucial towards giving us as individuals when winning work, the opportunity to not negotiate with ourselves, but actually have that conversation with our prospects and clients about price increases. I think that's an interesting angle to think about it in terms of negotiating with with ourselves, because if I reflect on my journey um, through ProServes, you know, certainly in-house roles, as it were, across um, big, no, big four, not so much, because that was pushing 10 years ago, but certainly um, in, in the legal space, it'd be interesting for the most part, you'd have your, even back, you know, we're talking, this is mid-2000s, you'd have your rack rate in terms of hourly rates or what have you. The partners straight out the gate would just give 20% before before the conversation had, had even started. So the client yeah. already, whether it's an existing client or you're, you're landing kind of net net new, the client already would know, well, if you're going to give me 20% straight out the gate, I can probably get another, you know, five, 10 on, um, uh, on top of that. So this kind of negotiating with yourself is almost like it's embedded in, in the pro certainly from a pro service perspective that we can't go in at our, at our standard rate because they they are we believe they're automatically going to to want to to negotiate so i think the industry has kind of set itself up for this kind of situation now where you're right there is a tension in terms of well we need to put our prices up because just everything else costs more i'm um, certainly from a uk perspective salaries going up etc cetera, etc cetera, yet the client you want to be respectful, yet the client probably knows that we're all going to, we can get 20% straight out the gate because that's what you've all, all you know, all, already done. I mean, do you see that outside of, you know, in other in- industries or is that just unique to the process? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, the, the crippling high street, you know, market at the moment, if you walk down and spe- specifically my high street, you'll generally see a closing down sale or a sale of some type. So over the last five years with that industry sort of struggling, you're seeing it being conditioned by here's a sale, here's a sale, here's a sale. And potentially over the last five to 10 years, the way in which we've been purchasing, probably in the consumer world, maybe now translating into the professional service world where our, 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 ex, you know, our expectation is there must be a deal out there and potentially we're offering that that that. that deal um and being conditioned in addition to what you're you're saying there i think it's important to reference that maybe professional service firms and financial service firms and and i do know one specifically where i've worked with a large number of um of, of, of individuals within that organization where margin protection was not top of okay you know mind therefore you had the uh, the, the ability or the capacity or maybe the ignorance um some might say to um cut margin to to win work yeah but ultimately if that's being conditioned and not owned by an organization or, or, or the leaders haven't been directing the correct behavior then then someone's just going to be cons- constantly conditioned and when we're looking in and around this market of pricing and packaging because if we don't adjust like everyone else is how on earth as an organization can we continue to reach those revenue 
um, figures. But if we've conditioned our staff to it's okay to cut margin, yeah. how can we change that mindset towards the, the the new norm, which is increases of pricing? I think that's a challenge for sure that people are facing. So on on the how the how then either um, to, not either how does irrespective of of industry because I'm reflecting on if you're in the kind of an SDR AE world and kind of tech we all know that at the end of each quarter you can as a buyer you can push really hard and get good deals that are being um, pushed through. and that's been that's been there for you know forever yeah. in terms of in terms of that but how do you help individuals kind of shift that mindset to the new way of thinking to get them out of that that preconditions this is what I always default to yeah I think that's, that's a good question so um there's a private equity house that we've been working with for about 18 months yeah. where we have um flown around the world as such but helped um a, a handful of their organizations with pricing and packaging um levers and, and, and increases um in terms of how that happens so first and foremost the pricing strategy must be in place and you may use an external partner or internally interestingly when we when someone says the word prices are increasing mm-hmm. what goes through your thoughts alex when you hear that our prices are increasing in the business off you go what pictures does that create in your mind if you were a sales professional in that organization i th- i think if someone says to me, our price is increasing it's because your costs are increasing so you're having to put your prices up because because of everything else but I mean, my initial reaction is we got to put our prices up because the cost of running the business is going up. Therefore, we need to maintain our margins and et cetera, et cetera. Now, margins in price services are very, very different in terms of the capacity they have to work with versus margins in retail or even, you know, SaaS technology as we have, um, have we have seen. But if someone would say to that to me, that's typically, and I, I reflect on my own being internally, it's the CFO who said, well, we've got, we've had to put this up and this up and this up. Therefore, we've got to put, we then have to pull this lever to put these up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 you you mention it exactly correctly, right? And and you you get it because you understand the bigger picture. But imagine you're a sales professional that is sitting there based upon their remuneration package, and that isn't really explained well enough okay. up front. So the how, first of all, what we do as an organisation to help with pricing and packaging is understand the why. Yeah. So actually helping a business to articulate that and may i say cfo to a sales representative very different language sometimes it's like you know two different conversations going on at the same time and therefore what we are able to do is bridge the gap between communication so this is the why so a lot of the time we have a perception the reason why i asked you that question is i wanted to hear your perception of pricing and packaging because if you ask another five people you're going to get another answer some of them like oh no i don't want that to happen or yeah okay well let's bring it on it's part of the world it's part of where we live and especially if they've experienced it in the past throughout their career so we bridge that and we also use the voice of customer interestingly when you look at pricing strategies you have a a, maybe a preconception that we're expensive or the customer might not see the value in our proposition and being able to demystify that to share with the sales team is so crucial. This is actually how your customer sees you and what they see of the value because it's a value-based conversation that really does help with dealing with price increases. And those are some of the crucial things of how. So we focus on number one, which is the mindset. 
mm-hmm. as I've just mentioned. Why I asked you that question? Because I wanted to check in with your mindset. <laughs> I wanted you to share what your perception of pricing and packaging was. Because as I say, if we ask the person down the road, they've had some past experiences or they've been preconditioned into mm-hmm. pricing and packaging. And it's important for us to maybe share some of the value of why we're doing this as a business. So that's the first part we help. The second part is that we really do see that the next part is around the skill set. And we talked about, you know, don't concede, always trade or make a stand before you go in and actually deal with certain elements of negotiation or don't negotiate with yourself. Understanding, you know, your opportunity or your zone of potential agreement, as we've all heard in the past, is really crucial towards dealing with pricing packaging. And the third and final piece is the systems and the processes. So how are you building the right processes? For instance, in the SaaS world, what's your run run rate to renewal? Are you looking three months, six months or nine months up to that renewal and having a look at those accounts that do have the capacity to churn? And should we be jumping on those that we do have the ability to, you know, still manage and deal with? Or what about those ones that have already passed that we just need to let go at this stage? So the processes and the structure that are in place are really important. So those are the three areas, mindset, skills, processes and structures when dealing with pricing and packaging. That's some hugely helpful, thank you. And I like the framework as one, the simplicity of the, the framework, but I want to pick up on, um, I want to come to the value the, the value conversation yes. in a minute, because that's hard. But I want to pick up on something that this is, that you, I'm reflecting on how I've been coached in the um, over the years, and Dominic de Maravella is one of my um, uh, mentors way back when in, in the world of law. It's the, the trade bit. So how do you how do you help people understand how to kind of trade or or barter? So if a client says, "Well, we don't want to do it for X," rather than going, "Okay, I'll give you the same service, but for Y," I'm guessing the trade bit is then you there's a trade off in terms of, okay, but if you want it for this, you're not going to get all of this. You're going to get some of this. So how do you? How do you help whoever kind of have those those conversations? They're not because they're not easy. And I've been <laughs> I've been there myself. Yeah, and and I think there's that element again in a business that's mature. We're talking maybe about a twenty million plus organization with spans and layers and hierarchy. Mm-hmm. I wonder how often businesses actually set their consultants, their professional service firms up for success. Mm-hmm. So, what are the guide rails that we provide? that would really help a professional service person that's winning work to ensure that they have the capacity to deal with any type of negotiation. And that could simply start with determining what are your tradables? So, you know, is it an element of the fact that we would like to have some contract signed within the next two weeks, which means that we're happy to trade on an element of the scope, for instance. So detailing out in a column what are we ha- what are we willing to trade and the rationale of why and where the guide rails are, are really crucial so at least there's some consistency across the board because when you look at utilization rates towards margin that's a really nice telling sign within professional services isn't it you know are we selling something at a low margin and people are overworking so how we do that is first through that list list element what are we willing um to trade also and being able towards then dealing with that conversation. So I think that's the execution part is when being met with a challenge or a negotiable, 
how do you deal with that? And it could be as simple as dealing with it with just a simple objection handling framework. You know, just go back to basics. Let's not overbake this. And how do you deal with that through a good objection handling framework, knowing that these are your lists that you can always fall back on? Um, does that give you some insights or, yeah, it, or direction? It, it does. And I'm, as, as, as your, as, as to the point, your point about back to basics is interesting because as a narrative starting to come out, in kind of the, the sales conversation and through the likes of David P. Fisher on LinkedIn and, and a few others is that sales needs to get, we need, irrespective of industry, we need to get back to basics, how you and I did not giving our age away, but different <laughs> 10, 15, even 20 years ago when none of this technology existed and it was pretty straightforward and you can only meet so many people during the course, the course of the week. But a lot of it is actually coming back to the fundamentals. But, you know, reflecting on what you've just explained is that, and I guess this is where, not I guess, and then I know this is where systems and processes come into, but you need to work as a team to figure out this is the total offer and then what are the bits that we're prepared to move on and then how does that reflect on a price and then give the um, ability to have that conversational framework that if a client says, no, you're too expensive at 100, I want to go for 80, you know what bits you can flex and kind of give away, but be confident to go back to the clients and go, fine, if you want to do it for 80, you're not going to get X, Y, Z. And if the client then says, well, hang on a second, you need to have the confidence to explain why they're not getting that because you've got to protect your own margins, your own, et cetera, et cetera. Is that a fair yeah. summary of what I've heard? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And and, and I think you've added a couple of words there that I, that I didn't, which was the, the, the pricing element, which again, what we're rolling up to be is that that full yeah. package. Um, the confidence around that. And, and one of the biggest things we're hearing at the moment when talking to professional services and, and written a lot in research at the moment would be, um, uh, the, we, we're part of the MCA, so Managing Consultancy Association, which we've been for the last few years. It's a fantastic um, association to be part of and learning lots. And they write a really great report, which comes out annually, and it's just recently come out. And it talked about where the majority of consultancy services are being you know, spent. So financial services is the biggest area at the moment that are using you know, consultancy services. But interestingly, how are people getting around the pricing packaging piece rather than selling or delivering large big programs which mm -hmm. was so 2022 2021 it's now in 2023 is breaking down those into phased approaches okay. why well because cfos are saying no more than they're saying yes and normally the way in which you can ask is but well, what is that budgetary sign-off threshold that will now allow you, Alex, to sign it off rather than going through the dark and stormy, you know, seas of a uh, dark and stormy seas of um, of the procurement team, right? And and when we're breaking down these individual packages, we're seeing with businesses that we're working with is that it's a five stage approach that we're mm -hmm. going to go on rather than this one full package, yeah. and that is a, a great way to getting things over the line that we've found and backed up by the MCA with their recent annual report. And certainly, if I reflect on, in my own world, that um, I've had to go through similar things in terms of its smaller, continual bits of work, because my stakeholders don't have the same ability they did pre-COVID to sign off, you know, 50, 60, 70 grand without even batting an eyelid in terms of that's fine, I don't need to go to, you know, the, the powers that be, whereas now it's more chunks of 10s and 20s. Yeah 
than the we're going to commit to this over so they're still getting we're still i'm still getting to the same end goal but i've had to your point kind of change the approach in terms of um getting it through so that you don't get sucked into the dark and stormy yeah. oh my god we're now on a six eight ten week process to get this signed off and that's the packaging part yeah yeah, so absolutely. So pricing and packaging, we've discussed the pricing element, potentially the tradables and what we've got on that list, to your point. And then the packaging part is how do you package up that suite as professional services? The research is saying chunking it together, getting through that threshold or beneath that threshold before it has to go to X and Y is a helpful way or an option moving forward, I would suggest. And I guess you can still you can still articulate the journey. So you can still kind of put the five stages, if you will, in terms of this is where we can still get to, but you now need to sign off on each one, which also from a client perspective, is going to put, we're going to come to the value piece as well, but you need to make sure that phase one, you're doing a good job, right? To make sure you get to phase two and phase three, to stop them going out to tender again, or yeah. at least out tender, <laughs> you are, you know, you're ready to roll. And, and- and, and you're absolutely right. And, and maybe that is the bridge between value because when when we work with our organizations and, and, and our wonderful clients is that we ask a lot about what is the business impact or the value that you've delivered to an individual organization. Maybe we look retrospectively in a year, especially if you're looking to expand an account in this tough market. I would say 95 to 99% of the professional service firms and financial service firms, or firms in general, may I say, let's not abscond others, struggle with articulating value and the business impact from the landmark deals, those deals we want to win, time and time again, they struggle with the value statement. So what is that telling us about? It's suggesting, I believe, that we don't do enough upfront i.e. being able to qualify correctly to establish what the value gap could be. And if that's the case, and we're still learning those behaviours, when it comes to price increases, if we're not establishing what the value gap could be, how are we then being able to have that decent conversation when we got price increases. I'm just putting two and two together yeah. there is that we're not doing a great job at establishing value. And when it comes to price increases, which are inevitable because we're not very good at that piece of behavior at, at, at the top of the sales process, how are we going to get towards delivering a value statement on pricing and packaging? So Johnny Adams, come on down. The price is right. How does one start to <laughs> articulate the value conversation? Yeah. Well, I would, you know, the method in which mm-hmm. has worked in the past and most recently is, first of all, go all the way back as far as you can get in the sales process. So let's have a look at your sales process first mm-hmm. and foremost. At what point do you need to qualify and establish the potential value or upside of a potential engagement as a Mm-hmm. business development professional and traditionally that's probably before proposal in and around that opportunity nurture stage you might write a scope one or v 0.1 for instance and within that you want to be able to establish what are your business kpis for them not for you so for instance if you're talking to an organization how can you support their own business kpi improvement mm-hmm. or um, support in terms of de-risking and also the individual's personal KPIs. So that is important. Are you aware of what those KPIs could be? So in that opportunity nurture stage, before you go to proposal, identifying a quantifiable potential uplift in your services. And that's really crucial. 
to start off with, which again, from conversations doesn't happen regularly enough. When you go towards that statement of work and you get the, um, the, the contract signed, within that, we must have a couple of things which is crucial to ensure we get value. It's having a cadence of consistent catch-ups with key sponsors, mm-hmm. being able to leverage their internal staff or your internal capacity to do some um, analysis on their data. So actually taking the benchmark and then re-benchmarking that data to see the upside over your engagement, depending on the KPIs that you've suggested, is really crucial. And then throughout that is then building that value proposition from the back of the engagement and simply at the start saying, Alex, would it be valuable for us and for you potentially to prove that this has worked for you as an organization to set up a case study? And asking people um, before you get the contract signed is that there is some value for both yourself and for us to to, to create a joint case study is really crucial because what that will enable you to do is set a, a an end point, a benchmark at the end to go, okay, this is what we hypothesized would be the uplift. We've then tracked it throughout the engagement and we've created an amazing case study that shows the business impact for both you and for us. It's a winning formula as you go through that that process. And hearing as you're talking, that also feels like it creates a much stickier relationship with the client because you're you're co-creating along um, along that journey to use that, that cliche. But I also um I'm making some assumptions here, you know what they say about assumptions, but if you're creating those regular check check-ins with the the key the key sponsors, if things are starting to go you know diverge a little bit in terms of expectation you can get back on track or you can again to use another god awful word you can pivot um accordingly and work with the client rather than get to the end of the project and be so far apart from where you think you're at and then it's just a it's it, it hasn't delivered expectations or because those expectations have kind of drifted versus what was agreed at the at the beginning is that a fair assumption yeah i I'd say that the assumption is, is extremely fair. So that means two of us believe in that. So now it's now it's fact. Um, the the interesting thing is that recently with one of our largest clients, um, we had been tracking business impact for three years. And that business impact was then consolidated at the early stage of this year. And we've all heard or potentially, again, we're hearing that chief financial officers are saying no, no, no to a lot of things in terms of maybe external investment from consultancies like ourselves. It was delivered the business impact, talking about an extension into the program for 2023, 2024. And because of that case study, the business impact, the the, the, the insight around what had actually given value to the organization, the CFO said, it's a no brainer to continue. And and that value-based sort of maybe understanding the gap, being able to qualify effectively before contracts are signed, staying close and sticky to the sponsor, creating a business impact sheet at the end is just so crucial. And specifically, this organization that I just mentioned, they're putting their prices up by X percentage. So when it comes to other organizations and potentially SBR, having to you know look at that as a strategy, that conversation around, well, this is what's happening in the marketplace. This is where pricing is going. And we've proven over the last three years that business impact is, is positive. That's an amazing summary. Thank you so, so much. Um, two more questions. I'm going to put you on the spot now. We have some 
what happened perhaps in this is my listeners know I never ever ever, uh, ever do um so with all this that we've talked about we can't ignore the world of kind of generative AI and GPT technologies are you starting to see organizations bring in GPT type technology to support with these pricing conversations or these kind of pricing approaches we are engaged at the moment okay and the answer is yes, that was a question. So I'll answer your question and then give the example. Um, where, where I, you know, I'm, I'm hugely passionate about mid-management leadership. I think they get a raw deal in the world of corporate world for yeah. multiple reasons, but that would be for another conversation. <laughs> and I think AI is going to give so much value to those middle managers about seeing what is most important at the at present. And we're getting cool transcripts of conversation analytics, overlaying that with really good AI at the moment and giving leaders two or three clear points of view to help with pricing conversations so they can coach their team. Some really good pieces of tech out there at the moment that we're adopting. My only critical element of it, it just feels like it's the leaning tower of Pisa again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's another platform on top of another yeah. platform and that's a challenge. But yeah, absolutely buy into it. And I think it's helping those individuals see, you know, the challenge. See the challenge. Awesome. Final question then. Uh, can we full circle back to barbecue? What's your go-to, your go-to barbecue recipe? Good, good. I like this. So... We, we, we like our um, ceramic barbecues, as you know, you and I. Um, so yesterday afternoon, it was a spatchcock chicken with a peri homemade peri-peri um, sauce over there just for a few hours. I should have done a bit longer, but then a nice steak on the side. So we did a bit of chicken, um, a, a bit of chicken and steak. But also, I'm a big vegetable fan. So um, I do like veg veggies on the old barbie Um couple of couple of tiers as you know i've seen yours on linkedin don't you worry I, I, i've been following quite expensive sport though isn't it <laughs> it is a very expensive sport especially with charcoal <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a challenge but anyway that, that that's it and we yeah we're gonna have a we're gonna have to have a barbecue off alex i think that's the that's the key a grill off 100 grill off or a cook off absolutely <laughs> um, johnny it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on if people want to learn more about how you and sbr can um help them where's the best place for me to um, point them to yeah linkedin social selling is is the key form so um jonathan adams uh would be my correct and formal name as my mother would say um so that you'll find me on there um on linkedin or sbr consulting and, and you'll be able to find us as well put the links on the bottom here on the youtube video and i'll be on the body of the audio on the uh, on the podcast johnny thank you it's been an absolute um, absolute pleasure thanks um, alex to all my other listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We really do uh, appreciate it. If you want to be on the podcast, you know what to, you know what to do. If you want to recommend anybody to be on the uh, on the podcast, and if you do um, contact Johnny on uh, LinkedIn and or via the SBR website, because of this podcast, please do um, mention it. It's always helpful to know that these things uh, help our uh, our speakers and our guests to uh, proliferate into my um, network. But um, for now, for wherever you are in the world, um, look out for heat domes. Look out for the apocalypse in SW19. It seems to have stopped. For the moment uh, but otherwise i will see you all next week <laughs>